0: Abba, Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for you, you, what you've done this morning, making it beautiful by uh, unfailing love. Uh, thank you for each person that's here, those online. And I ask, please, give us wisdom and insight into your word and what your spirit wants to accomplish in us right now, please. I'm um, asking in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Two scriptures uh, from the Psalms that I think are very significant. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You can, you can sense the longing in, in the heart of the psalmist. And then Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God, and I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you, in a dry and weary land where there's no water. That picture, the background slide, uh, that is Judea. That is not far from Jerusalem, all right? Can you imagine living there? And can you imagine how absolutely essential water would be to live in that area? Uh, In Little Rock, we've got a massive river. We're surrounded by lakes all over the place. And even if we had to get our own water out of five-gallon buckets, it would be doable. But can you imagine trying to find water there? And so in ancient Israel, in this this very area, and in the New Testament, water is critically important for survival. So um, I know we have some very scientifically-minded people here. Galen, I'm going to try uh, some organic chemistry this morning, so you'll, you can give me the nod. I want to talk about water just for a little bit, and then we'll get into some things. How many oceans do we have on planet Earth?
1: Traditionally,
0: seven. So. said, Well, according to uh, the internet, which only presents truth in every way, there are five <laughs> principal oceans. Only five. The Atlantic, the Pacific, that was a joke, I'm sorry. The Pacific, the Indian, and the Arctic, they've added the newest one, which is considered the Southern, the southern Ocean, the Antarctic. And uh, those are considered ocean basins. So the big ones, um, H2O, that's water. One part oxygen, two part atoms, okay? the two hydrogen atoms. Uh, some more details about water, this is interesting. How much water covers the surface of the earth? You are on top of it, 71%. But of all the oceans, how much water on earth is in the oceans? Now, if you get that, Pat, it's just like you just studied trivia. 96.5% of water is actually in the ocean. The rest is in your body, the air, streams, lakes, rivers, um, It's the only natural substance that is found in all three physical states of liquid, solid, and gas at the temperatures normally found on Earth. Uh, It is considered a universal solvent because it dissolves more substances than any other liquid. That's how powerful water is. It's highly cohesive, means it sticks to itself, and it's highly adhesive, stuff sticks to it. And that's why it's the principal fluid that moves uh, minerals and nutrients through our bodies. Uh, It's fascinating that it actually is the medium by which sound can travel. Water. And in fact, you ready for this? This is crazy. Sound travels at about 3,500 miles per hour underwater. 3,500 miles per hour underwater. And uh, you know, whales, they, they can communicate great distances that way. Just um, a few more uh, regarding our health. It, imp- it improves blood oxygen, circulation, fights off illness and aids in cognitive function. As we become dehydrated, systems will actually shut down in our bodies. So, all right. Uh, what about the Greco-Roman world and their view of water? Here's some things to consider. The the Greeks and the Romans believed in all kinds of myths to try to tell stories, communicate big, big ideas. And uh, one of their big ideas, it comes from actually Babylon, is what is called the Tiamat myth. And this is this big terrible creature named Tiamat with seven heads. He was a sea monster and battled with all the Greek gods and Mesopotamian gods of heaven. And Marduk comes and saves the day and kills the big sea monster. Big stories like that. Uh, There's a report from a geographer named Strabo that right at the turn of the century, an earthquake uh, happened and an underwater volcano explodes off the coast of Sicily. And all of a sudden, an island is born. And guess what the governor of Sicily did? Immediately demanded that sacrifices be made to appease the angry gods that are under the water. So the Greeks, the Romans, the ancient people in the first century world believed that the, the oceans, the seas were a place of mystery, a place of danger and inhabited by gods, bad ones, dangerous ones. Um, what about Jews? What do the Jewish people believe about about water? Um, if you're, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, brooding over the face of the waters. In Genesis one twenty one, you may have missed this. Genesis one twenty one says that God created sea monsters. That's the language that is translated. God created sea monsters. Psalm 104 says this, that God made the sea great and broad, and God formed Leviathan, a sea monster that he made to sport in it, to sport in the oceans, Isaiah 27 reveals a perspective about how dangerous the sea is. And in that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce and great and mighty sword. Even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill this dragon who lives in the sea. That's Isaiah 27.1. Boy, the Jews had this perspective that the sea was a very dangerous place, a, myster- a mysterious place. Um, some of the Jews believed that, uh, I say some, most all Jews believed, uh, Terry, as a sailor, that if a man died overboard, went overboard and drowned, and his body was not recovered, that his soul wandered about underwater and had no rest and actually made that area very, very dangerous. And that is why when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, uh, or rather the disciples were in the boat, and Jesus was walking on the water, they were terrified because they thought it was a ghost. And they thought that troubled spirit, that troubled ghost, was coming to haunt them and upset them. And so all cultures, all kinds of perspective about water, about oceans, and about the dangers associated with the ocean. So, all right. What I want to do now is I want us to dig into John's gospel with that background in mind to appreciate uh, what the scriptures teach about Jesus saying that living water can come out of us. So turn to John chapter four, John chapter four, and uh, it's an amazing story about the woman at the well, the woman at the well, and um, Verse 9, John 4, 9. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, to Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God. So there's a clue. Something's a gift. Something's a present. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him for this gift and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you not greater than our father Jacob? Are you? who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of this gift, whoever drinks of the water that I give him or her, shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. She is thirsty. And she's beginning to understand, little by little, that there's two kinds of thirst There's a thirst of the body, but there's also a thirst of the soul. Jesus continues a conversation. She realizes that she's talking with God's prophet. Eventually, she realizes she's talking with the Messiah. And something absolutely beautiful happens. Um, Jesus teaches in verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he who speaks to you. And something happens with this woman. That's John 4. Turn to to John 7. Turn to John chapter 7. Look at this. Another story. John chapter 7. Jesus is teaching. And um, verse 35 The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to, di- to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks also, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will seek me and will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So, question. How do we experience the reality of living water coming out of our innermost being? A couple of thoughts to kind of get us going in the right direction. Uh, we have a, we have a, a bit of a, a dilemma here. Either, number one, Jesus told the truth, and it is true, that there really is such a thing as a wellspring of life and of water that can flow out of us. Or he lied. And it's just religious psychobabble. Okay? Now, if you go down that path, it leads to a terrible dead end. I believe with all of my heart that he's speaking the truth. But that leads to more problems. Okay? For example, do you have to be one of the elite super-Christians to have that kind of living water come out of you? Do you have to be uh, morally flawless do you have to uh, have a faith that is so unflinching that you have the complete absence of doubt? And when you are morally flawless and there's virtually all, all absence, there's a total absence of doubt and you have, you have complete faith, is that when the release of this, this wellspring comes out of you? Is that what it is? Uh, I'm not sure where you are in, in your spiritual journey, but if that's the case, I know for me, I'm in trouble. Because my humanity and my faith sometimes are very weak. And sometimes I struggle with doubts. And sometimes I gotta gotta struggle to maintain my balance, my spiritual balance. So if this innermost um, spring, um, spring this well that pours out of us, if it's for the super elite Christian, I'm in trouble. I'm in real trouble, okay? There's another, there's another way to understand the text. It's not, uh, it, it, when you get this wellspring, uh, Lee, it's not speaking in tongues, you know. It's not some super charismatic, ecstatic experience. It's not that. It's something else. Something very, very profound. Look at John 7, 38 again. Jesus said, he who believes in me as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, there it is. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what is this wellspring? It's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now, what do you do when you have that wellspring Bursting forth, you know, this amazing water. We'll go back to John 4. Check this out. Here's the answer. John chapter 4. And this really is amazing. Uh, Look at verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. There is the spring of living water that burst forth. This woman at a well, how ironic, wanting physical water, understands that, that the real living water is Jesus. And it's expressed when we when we experience faith, Jesus puts his spirit inside of us. We're born again. And when we start talking about Jesus Christ, the living water starts coming out of us. Okay? That's it. It's not hard. Okay. This living water, it's not about the super elite who are who are devoid of sin and devoid of doubt. And only they get the, the, the power to no, know. It's not that at all. It's broken people, just like me, just like you, who are unashamed to talk about Jesus Christ. There it is. Not that hard. All right, now, um, let's talk about, about what it means to follow Jesus. Okay? You're the body of Christ. You are full of wisdom. Okay. What are some things that you and I face on a day-to-day basis that can keep us quiet about Jesus Christ? What would you say they are? Stuff that keeps us quiet about it. What would it be? Let's open it up. COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. Okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Our sin disqualifies us. Yeah, we're ashamed. Yeah, exactly. That's really good. By the way, Edie, um, that whole idea is actually one of the principal means by which Satan functions. He's the accuser. You're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. Therefore, you've got to be quiet. Yeah, you can't talk. You have you have no authority because you're guilty. Someone else. What what robs us from this well, this spring living up inside of us, keeps us quiet?
2: I guess it's on the same lines because it's harsh
0: humility. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, embarrassment, absolutely. Shame, embarrassment, you bet. What else?
1: Anything else? I think uh, <clears throat> Satan will tell us that what speaking the gospel, speaking God's word, is not going to have the impact that we want it to have. So we become silent I'm not going to say anything because it's not going to make any difference, and they'll probably ridicule me for even believing this, yeah. Yeah. for even having the courage to say this. But really, in the Word is life. Where mm. yeah. mm. is life giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's the Spirit of the world, the Spirit of the flesh, and the Spirit, and all that. So, yeah. You know, the ridicule that that we're told or made to feel that. Speak this truth, you'll be really that's, that's not a valid feeling. It's a valid feeling, but it's, yeah. not, it's not what the, speaking the truth is about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Going to bring life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Lee. Thank you. Someone else about living water and what can seemingly dry it up inside of us. What do you think? What about just fear? Just being afraid? Is that, is that a challenge? Yeah. You ever get afraid? Yeah.
2: Right. Going off the wet. The fear of the well judgment from other people, um, the fear that even if I speak His word, even though I show myself to all other people, myself, and then I send myself, that judgment comes back on not just me, but on Him, and that fear that that puts fear in me. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Yes.
3: I also think that uh, a lot of people might feel unqualified. Like Mm -hmm. they don't know know if they have the right words to say. They don't know necessarily like as much as
0: someone in leadership would, so they feel like they can't go out and do that. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you. Can I I give you some breaking news? Ready? Uh, Seminary is not required. To have living water come out of your life, okay? You don't have to go to Bible college. You have to go to seminary. Uh, don't worry about Greek and Hebrew. You know, just work with your English text. That's plenty. Uh, more, than, more than I can deal with just out of English. Yeah, you're right. We're somehow not qualified. Too young, too unskilled. We feel like we're not educated. All kinds of reasons. So, yeah, Stephen. Okay, hey, so this is kind of a first for
2: us here. but Kendra okay. is watching online. Okay she says uh, that maybe we are not really sold out on the mission of the great commission we rely on our own power instead of the power of
0: the holy spirit yeah yeah the andrew lowry No, Nedra Sharp. oh nedra okay thank you nedra yes yes um it's interesting that we we speak uh, nedra we speak very confidently about things we're we're convinced about we speak very confidently about those things uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? How do we do this? Why does this matter? This living water, do we experience it? Would you guys say, hey, hi, it's me. I've got a wellspring of living water flowing out of my innermost being. Can I tell you about it? You know? <laughs> would, would you do that? Or, or do you feel like, no, I'm kind of I'm dried up. Like I feel like the hills in Judea. I am devoid of moisture. I'm so dried up inside. I feel like my my soul's cracked, you know, cracked and dry like the song, Find Me in the River. So what do you think? What releases this stuff inside of us? Anybody else? What do you think? Yes. Yeah, that is so good, Patch. Let me present to you two options, one of which I think releases the water, one of which kind of dries it up. You ready? The dry up option. Act like you're perfect and be a fake. Put on the facade that you are this elite superpower Christian and you are mysteriously above all things human. There you go. I think you dried up just like that. I think um, the problem of hypocrisy is critical in our lives, and certainly the church. We've been accused of that for 2,000 years, actually. But more than just that, it's sometimes not so much hypocrisy as it is just a facade of this artificial thing that we're somehow perfect people. And I realize it might sound silly and I've got some of the finest people in the world here in the same room right now. And yes, you guys get humility. But I'm just saying, if we go with the facade that we are the altogether uh, person, I think it shuts off the wellspring. I think it caps it off, okay? I think that when we become honest, as you're alluding to, Patch, with ourselves and how we work through our stuff, I think that releases it. And it's, it's like uh, the facade closes it off. Being open and transparent opens it up is how I understand it. For example, when the woman at the well, the, from the well, right, she goes into the city. She doesn't say, hi, I have now been made brand new and I am perfect. And I will no longer do anything to disappoint you. Now, based on my new me, would you please listen to me? She does the opposite. She says, look, this guy told me everything I've ever done. Do you think they knew in the village what she's been doing? Yeah. So she didn't try to create a facade. She just simply said, hey, I just talked to a guy who told me everything. I think he's the Messiah. Let's talk about it. And they do. And all of a sudden, we don't know how many people converted, but it says many believed of the Samaritans and even many more believed. Because that living water came out of her heart because she was honest with who Jesus is and what he's done for her. That's it. There it is. That's what happens. Now, uh, one of the worst things we can do is to think that, uh, Carrie, we got to be perfect. You know, to, to put on that little facade that makes us makes us feel better in the eyes of other people, maybe. Maybe we do that, you know. To maybe alleviate our fears and our anxiety, we put on this facade. And by the way, <clears throat> can you see the can you see the, the, the kind of uh, logic in Satan's strategy? If he promotes us to put on a facade a facade of perfection, what does that guarantee we're going to do? What's that? Make a mistake. We're going to make a mistake, and at that point, he wins. You know, checkmate. The accuser of the brothers, using the strategy of fear, put your facade on, pretend pretend that you're perfect. We stumble, we prove ourselves fools, and he goes checkmate. Gotcha. I accuse you, and at that point, the only answer is we become silent. That's the answer. Be silent, and at that point, the water stops.
2: us and show people, look, God loves the worst parts of us and the best part of us because he loves
0: us. Yeah. So we have yeah. to be able to not it on we can't live in those two extremes if we try to be perfect or not or live in that imperfection that we'll never
1: be we yeah. had. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Chris, you know, when it's Jesus stood up on the side of the mountain and delivered the greatest sermon ever. He started with what? The declaration of your need. Blessed or the poor spirit. Yeah. You know, the surplus is not in the flesh. It's not in the world. The surplus is found in the spirit. Yeah. So yeah. That's where that sermon began. With, I mean, we don't have to have it all together to be able to speak. The
0: yeah, that's so good. Isn't that freeing? Yeah, that's freeing. Stephen, anybody else on, online, if you're on Facebook Live, please post a question, post a comment. Stephen will feel that. We want to hear from you. Again, Nedra, thank you for what you've shared. So, um, okay. Okay. Living water. Uh, I want to challenge you during a time when... Uh, Covid nineteen has got us all shaking, and now we're thinking about the second wave, and and it seems like the the headlines are saying, you know, we're going to have to backpedal on our on phase two, backpedal on phase two, and all these things are going on, and so many of us are living in fear. Uh, It's actually an amazing time in our culture for us to reveal that. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can be the light of the world and the salt of the earth was just another way of saying the spring of living water coming out of us. Uh, But we've got to talk about Jesus. We can't put that candle under the bushel. Uh, We've got to talk about the Lord. So anybody, Stephen, anybody online or someone here live at Christ Church Question, counsel wisdom on how we live out Jesus promised that a wellspring of living water can flow out of us. Anybody else?
3: That knows more about Scripture than you do. Yeah. So yeah. You know, you meet these people yeah. that can run circles around you, and that can be intimidating. And so I think often, if, if we, what you were saying about just being truthful, but just sharing our our experience. You know, how how we do mess up, and yet we, and yet what Scripture says that that Jesus still loves us, His love hasn't changed. Yes. You know, yes. And, and and um, one thing I find for me is uh. About whether that water is flowing or it's drying up for whatever reason, or you know, if I'm
0: bad mood or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the holy ozone <laughs> is whether I can have a conversation
3: with someone and never mention anything about God. Yeah, and if I can do that, it always makes me soul search, even if, it, if I'm not. Talking to somebody about Jesus per se, if I can have a conversation and never say and never even mention anything about God, the world He created, the the marvelous body he gave, whatever it is. If I can have a conversation and never mention God, I know I need to go figure out what's going on in my heart. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We tend to talk about what's most important. Yeah. We do, don't, don't we? Yeah, we sure do, Edie. Um
1: oh, Chris? Yes, sir. I think we tend to be compl- uh, complacent at times. Mm-hmm. I'm born again. I'm good. Everything's
0: done. Just, yep.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, and we don't
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Stephen?
1: Uh, Jennifer Burgess
2: asked, How do we be the kind of person who encourages transparency in
0: others? Okay. So you all answer that. Say it again, Stephen.
2: How do we be the kind of person who encourages transparency in others?
0: How do we be, how do we be the kind of person that encourages transparency in others? Thank you, Jennifer. <clears throat> be transparent ourselves, um, Janice. No judging. Ah, no. that was the word
3: I was I was thinking of. Yeah,
0: that was exactly. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, take your judgmental
3: attitude.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, guess what a communication killer is in marriage? Communication killer in marriage. So there's husband and wife, and they're they're facing each other, you know, and it's that moment we're going to really talk, and and, and he says. Uh, it's okay, sweetie. You can tell me. I'll be okay. And so she goes. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be transparent. And so she says, A, B, C. And he goes, What? What? You're crazy. <clears throat> you know. At that point, communication's over. He judged. He overreacted and shuts her down, or vice versa. You know. She says, Sweetie, you can tell me anything. So he does, and she. Ah! And goes crazy. Well, at that point, communication's over. Get the idea. Um, Jennifer, boy, when we calm down, stop the judging, when someone trans- it begins to be transparent, we allow them to feel safe. And when we feel safe, we will get open. But if we're under threat, we will be very, very quiet. Yeah. So, Jennifer, we've got to be willing to, to deal with our own big nasties and, uh, and walk in grace before we can help someone deal with theirs. So, Stephen?
2: Nathan Stewart asks Why does Jesus say it will flow out of the belly and not
0: out of the heart? Uh, it, thank you, Nathan. It's actually a Hebrew statement. Okay. It, it's from a Hebrew mindset, and they're actually one and the same. Yeah. Your innermost parts. The visceral organs of the of the body, yeah, heart, liver, stomach, yeah, it's all the same actually. <coughs> to, in a Hebrew in a Hebrew mindset. Anybody else? It's good stuff. Good stuff.
2: transparent with others it's when I listen to the Holy
0: Spirit and let him yeah Philip that's beautiful let's can we develop that idea by the way that is music Sean Bray that is music to my ears I promise you uh, please turn it up turn it up please please I know it's probably irritating you right but it's beautiful to me. Um okay if, if you listen can we can can we get honest here can we talk let's talk when you get filled with the spirit and I want you to see the sweep of the New Testament. What happens to that person? What do they do? If you really get filled with the Spirit, what do you do? Come on, big picture. What do you do? You baptize. <laughs> Amen, brother. And then what? It shines from inside out. Yeah. It
3: shines out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You start changing.
0: You start changing into Spirit. what?
3: The Holy Spirit
0: changes us. Specifically into what? What's, what's into the goal? Into christ Yes, there it is. If you want to know what it means to walk in the spirit, it means you start and act like Jesus. There it is. Done. You start acting like Jesus, which means you got to. Have you heard this before? You got to kind of say the things he would say. I heard that one before. Got to do the stuff he would do. Ah, now you're walking in the spirit. Okay, it's not about being drawn to a particular denomination and their copyrighted version on the monopoly of religion. It's not that. It's about learning to say the kinds of things that Jesus would say and do the kinds of things that Jesus would do. Now we are being crafted in the image of his son. And that's what the Holy Spirit's all about. John 16, read it. It's tremendous. So, okay, let's let's wrap it up. Um, I want you to understand how simple this is. In order for you to experience the living water coming out of you, You must be born again. If you have never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not know what it's like to have the living water. John put it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. If you have never put your faith in Christ, that's the beginning point. That's where you, like the Samaritan woman, like me, you realize that Jesus is the Messiah. There's nothing in your life he doesn't already know. It's not like you're going to do some shock and awe if you get transparent with him. Rather, It's the idea that you believe and accept the fact that he loves you as you are. Pat, you've mentioned that. The good and the bad. While we're yet yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when we put our faith in Christ, we experience what John said as the new birth. And that's when we experience being born anew and that living water begins to form in us. I want to pray and we're going to get ready to worship. Abba, Father, thank you so much that you have saved someone like me. And I, I remember when I put my faith in you and Jesus came into my heart. Uh, Abba, Father, those listening, part of this on Facebook Live or, or the podcast that will roll out soon or here, pray that everybody here would know what it means to be born again and to put their faith in your son, Jesus. Experience the new birth. Without the new birth, we're not going to see your kingdom. Uh, God, please, stir our hearts. Thank you so much that we really can talk about your son. And we can do it in honesty and humility. And we can do the things your son would do. and Be kind and treat people the way we want to be treated. We can do this stuff. But we've got to stay on mission. Lord, help us Please. Thank you for the mercy that you've shown us. And we get to sing songs that thank you for what you've done in us through your son, Jesus. Please bless right now. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Amen.